Hi, I'm Alan Altman. And I'm Dave Jeskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. Tired of living in your one-horse town You'd like to find a little hole in the ground For a while Hello everybody and welcome to Billy Joel A to Z Today, talking about Captain Jack Captain Jack is the 10th and final song on Billy's second studio album, Piano Man, and the 8th track off the album, Songs in the Attic. Piano Man was recorded in September and released quickly on November 9th, 1973, and subsequently becoming Billy's first breakthrough album. Captain Jack would end up being his breakout song as well after he performed it live in front of Cold Spring Harbor fans at radio station WMMR in Philadelphia on April 15th, 1972, with the big wigs at the record label, Columbia heard it, and Billy Joel was off and running and even received a whopping $8,000 after it went gold <laughs> as it became the most requested song in the station's history, and history was indeed made. Elon, in the 2015 New York Magazine article by Christopher Bonanos, where does our friend Christopher Bonanos place Captain Jack in the catalog of 121 Billy Joel songs? Well, this may not be his best song, but because of its importance to Billy Joel's entire career, I do think that Chris Rubinanos would give it some extra points for that. And I'm going to say this is number 25. This is not fun anymore. I think we have to drop this segment. You This time you hit it on the exact nose. No way. I swear to God. <laughs> now, I know for a fact Elon does not. He's not cheating. He, we we enjoy the fun of the surprise. You got It's exactly 25. You're not even one off. You figured out this guy's system, so now this has not become fun anymore. What's the matter with you? You should well, get it wrong just for fun reasons. <laughs> don't we play by prices right rules, and now you owe me a $100 bill out of your pocket? <laughs> I can't believe you guessed that completely right, but I guess it makes sense. It's not the best song, but the importance. But you hit it right in the nose. Here's what he, here's what he says in his rank, you know, as he uh, actually writes little blurbs for each one, which is even more tedious after we've heard his conversation, you know, and told us it took three months. Joel has said he's tired of this one, and it does go on for too long. You can also knock 10 points off for that uncomfortable sit-at-home-and-masturbate line, which has been filling arenas with uneasy giggles for 35 years, especially when Pick Your Nose comes along a few lines later. But the big chorus is undeniable. It's hard not to be swept away along when it starts to crest. That's an excellent paragraph of writing. So where do you think uh, the Newsday article of Glenn Gamboa has this song out of 124? I bet he puts it even higher. You are getting good. He has it at 16. He says, at this point, we're in the midst of the third generation of teenagers celebrating this testament to finding escapes from teenage loneliness and alienation. And every time it is rediscovered, Joel's realistic creation makes them think that someone finally understands how they feel. It's a much lighter review and sentiment of Captain Jack and the fans. Rank this at 21, one below Big Shot out of 121. Yes, I guess that's exactly where it should be. My feelings are I've been sick of this song for a long time. 
not like Big Man on Mulberry Street, where I really never want to hear it again. But because, like he says, it's funny when, as you and I listen to re-listen to these songs, even though we know how it goes and everything, but you're sitting and listening in a different way because we're like, let me hear this song. Let me actually listen. I'm not having it on in the background and paying attention. Yeah, that crescendo where it picks up is really great every time. And then it goes back to the slower parts. I'm not interested anymore, but you cannot deny when it builds. It really is a terrific song. And I, I guess I guess because of its historic, of, of what it means and how it completely flipped his career around to where we're talking about a podcast where we're going through every song he's ever created. And yes, you have to put this one at, at least in the 20s, I guess. Yeah, it's just got to be there. But I do understand what Billy Joel feels about it, which is that, and like Christopher Bonanno said, it's tedious, it's long, it's repetitive. And I really like listening to it when it's on the radio and it comes on. I'm like, great. I love Captain Jack. But doing this, you know, preparing for the podcast and listening to maybe like five different live versions in a row, I was like, man, this is a long song. I feel like I'm just hearing it. any other song we've done so far. I haven't felt that way listening to it over and over again. This song, I was getting a little tired hearing it over and over because, like, oh, here's another seven and a half minutes of Captain Jack. What about the extended remix of All About Soul? That was almost six and a half minutes. What's the matter with you? You said the exact same thing. How no, on that episode, you? I told you I didn't listen to the remix version. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, I agree 100%. I mean, Billy Joel even says, you know, by the time he gets to the guy in the swimming pool, he's upset it's still going on. So, you know, he's given up. He's like, oh, I wrote too many verses. But again, back in the... 70s long songs, as you had uh, said uh, at some song, one of the songs were, oh, I think you were talking about Angry Young Man in the preamble, and that's the way a lot of the 70s songs worked. Uh, this made a lot of sense. Yeah, especially for FM radio. Like they had the leeway to play a, a really long song. It didn't have to be a three minute single. They could play it seven minutes. And it was kind of cool that WMMR, the DJ just like, you know, had the recording of this live version they did for the station, and they just kept playing it over and over. And well, it, it kept- changed his whole career. Yeah, it kept getting requested. I mean, the fascinating thing is that he did, you know, it was like a fan in doing, you know, we've always, everybody kind of knows, but then in doing the actual research about it, that it was for fans of Cold Spring Harbor, the album, you know, and they were like, hey, we got this guy, Billy Joel, and people were like, you know, ah, I guess I'll go to that, you know, because, you know, <laughs> I guess even though it was mixed incorrectly, people still liked Cold Spring Harbor. And they invited these fans to Philadelphia. And then he performs Captain Jack. And think about that before it's on an album, even in 1972. And the fa- the fascinating thing is you can hear the performance and it sounds just like it does on the album, which is a real testament to him, him and his band at the time. I mean, a real testament. You know, there's no there's, there's nothing different about the actual recording, which is uh, quite amazing. And. And then it just took off from there. They're like, yeah, let, we'd like to hear. And then it just kept getting requested and requested. I guess nobody had really heard like kind of a song like this before. Yeah, I think it was probably cool also to hear on the radio a line like sit at home and masturbate. That's my favorite line in the song. Everybody knows that when Dave Juskow goes to a Billy Joel concert, he's waiting for that song because I'm the only one that goes, yeah. <laughs> and then I look around and I'm like, oh, crap, that's not where you're supposed to go. That's right. It's the pot line that everybody goes. Yeah, I always get it mixed up. Yeah, <laughs> oh, we were a masturbate crowd. Right. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Pot. Yeah, pot. You know how many times I've done that where I'm like, woo! Yeah, and the, during the masturbate line, and I was like, no, you idiots, the pot line we do that in. 
Yeah, but oh, it is yeah. true though. Like when when you listen to the live versions, almost every time when he hits that line, the crowd does give it a little cheer for it. It's one of those words. People when they go see a, a live show, they like to hear those risque words. It's like in the Weezer song Pink Triangle. Whenever they say the word lesbian in a live version of that, you always hear the crowd go, Yeah. Cause it's like, oh my God, he's they said a word that's a little risque. Well, I actually think that Christopher Bernanos hit it right. He goes, which is filling arenas with uneasy giggles. That is usually what I hear in the thing. Now, watching him perform this at the last play at Shea, which was surprising that he played it. So, you know, so later on, I guess. I mean, I wasn't sure if he still does it in concert, but I guess he does. And watching the crowd after he does that line, it, I still saw uncomfortable giggles like or whatever. Like there were people just don't know what to do. <laughs> with that line yeah. they're just remembering so, their teenage years and they're like oh yeah i did yeah that exactly so that it's still uncomfortable <laughs> like so <laughs> but uh fascinating at that last play at shea that song he opens it after intermission which is smart people are just coming back from the bathroom and getting stuff and that's when he opens it up seems like and then he goes in after that i don't know whether you noticed to lullaby and i'm like what what the hell is he doing so I guess his thing is we'll have an intermission and then we'll have an extended intermission with Captain Jack and Lullaby. And then he goes into We Didn't Start the Fire. Gets the crowd going again, finally. But that's like that must be like a 30 minute intermission, technically. You know? Yeah, because Captain Jack has this, like, that long piano intro. So you definitely have time to get back to your seat. Who sings Lullaby in concert? He made some bad choices on that last play at Shea, I guess. <laughs> I guess he does it on purpose because he knew he was going to go to Yankee Stadium. It would be better. Shut up, Elon. <laughs> you and your Yankee Stadium. Billy's a smart guy. <sighs> well, in terms of live performances, this is his 33rd most played song. He's played it 167 times. And he always plays it in Philadelphia because it's big in Philly. And that's where, obviously, it, it gained steam and made his whole career. Um, but besides the Philly plays, he hasn't played it since 2015. Yeah, that makes sense. It's uh, I, I guess you can't. You're Billy Joel. But if he took out a couple of verses... uh. I think everybody would be on board with it. He could do like a medley. It could be like, here's half of Captain Jack, and then I can go into lullaby. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I, I really I, I hesitate to bring this up, but my sister and I went to go see Barry Manilow just a couple years ago. <laughs> we were like really excited and we were in the front row. Don't tell anybody, but uh, this doesn't go out to anybody uh, overseas, right? He did a medley. Like I was waiting to hear Ready to Take a Chance again, mostly because it was hilarious when he did it on Family Guy. And uh, he did a, he put it in a medley of other songs and it pissed me off. And I guess Billy Joel knows that I'm hoping and he wouldn't do a medley of stuff because I think he knows people want to hear the, you know, I mean, I went to see that stupid musical, that really horrible musical. Uh, what's the one where they play all the 80s songs on Broadway? Rock of Ages. Rock of Ages. And I'm there with some guys from college and they're doing the songs and my friends are yelling out, finish it. Finish it because we were getting really we're getting into the song and then all of a sudden they go into something else and we're getting angry. I feel like Billy gets that one live performance that I really liked to watch because there's so many of them on YouTube. There's yeah. just a ton of videos of him playing this song, but there's one from 1986 in Philadelphia. And that's notable because in the beginning of it, while he's playing the intro, he's also trying to kill a fly that's like flying around his head and he like <laughs> smashes his hand on the piano and you can just tell the whole thing is just annoying him. And then he's got to still sing this song. Was it outdoors? Yeah, it must have been out outdoors in a in the football stadium, maybe. Cause and he looks really sweaty. It must have been in the middle of the summer. He is just drenched in sweat and there's a fly going around him. And he's he wearing did not a look happy. And tie. That's right. He was summer. always formal. Fascinating. 
But that's the other thing, too, about this song, at least for me personally. I never liked it ever. I mean, obviously, except for the chorus, which is amazing, but still is very depressing. It's a very depressing song. It's a downer. And, you know, it definitely spoke to me a couple of times when I, you know, discovered like when I was driving around in college and stuff. And it's so funny because, you know, they even have that line like your your sister's gone out. She's on a date and you just sit home and master. I mean, how many times does that happen? I think my sister had sex before I did and she's younger. It was very it was very embarrassing. And I'm like, wait, hey, he can't possibly know my personal life. What an asshole. <laughs> right. And also your dad and that swimming pool incident. And everyone that's knows right. That. Everybody was talking about that in the neighborhood. It was awful. <laughs> But it was that and just, you know, it just I was like, boy, he's getting it. But I guess that's that is what makes the song so powerful. Is he speaking to me? Is, you know, is he? Spe- I mean, obviously, I wasn't looking for heroin in some Long Island, uh, you know, crazy place, but it speaks to you at that age. And I was the exact age when I, you know, started listening to it or heard it on the radio and you know really got me down. I was like, I don't want to listen to this guy again. He's, he's, he's you know, making me sad. <laughs> Yeah, I think I got into this song also around my in my teenage years. And I think that's when it resonates with people because there's so many lyrics and they're all pretty vivid and you'll find something, maybe not the heroin parts, but other parts of it that you can relate to. I didn't know. know it was about heroin. I actually thought it was about a liquor called Captain Jack. I was thinking of Captain Morgans, I guess. And I was just thinking and Jack Daniels. Jack and Daniels. Together. It, that's what I thought it was. I had no idea it was about heroin. Yeah. So Captain Jack is in the in the vein of songs that are about uh, drug dealers with fun names, just like Dr. Robert by the Beatles and Dr. Feelgood by Motley Crue. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, I had no idea. I didn't, and certainly Captain Jack, I really thought it was either Jack Daniels or some sort of other spiced rum. And uh, <laughs> obviously also while you're 21 and still your mother makes your bed, i pretty sure I was 21 and my mother was making my bed. I mean, I was just out of college and I was ready to move out, but I'm just saying... Those lines resonate. I'm like, you know, you're sitting in the car and you're driving after you've probably done a lot of drugs. Well, not you, but me being in the suburbs and, you know, going out and partying. And I'm like, where's my life going? And then, you know, you hear this song and you're just like, God, I got to get my life to put together, you know, and they never did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When he says you're, you're 21, your mother makes your bed and that's too long. And then you're listening to that and you're like 24 and you're like, is that too long? <laughs> Maybe if I was 31, but 21, come on. Yeah, and apparently it's an, he considers it like an anti-drug song. He's saying these guys, like, why would someone who's middle class or doing well have to go to find, you know, to a bad neighborhood and find some drug dealer and do heroin? What's so bad about their life? But a lot of people think it's glorifying drugs. But Billy always says it's not, it's an anti-drug song. And some people found that preachy. I don't think it's anti-drug. I think it, it, it says kept, well, right, it is, right, no, it is anti-drug. But it's weird. It's hard to explain to people because it says Captain Jack will get you high and take you to your special island. You'll be smiling. So it doesn't sound anti-drug when it's happening. But, of course, all the other stuff, if you actually listen to it, is anti-drug. You know, this your life will be a mess if you keep it up. But for tonight... Yeah, exactly. You just got you really got to listen to it and get into it and be like, but, you know, the other point is you could say, like, what are you talking about? It's like if you take it, everything will be great. Yeah, but clearly it's like a very temporary great. Like you have the the chorus comes up many times. So, hey, I'm great. I'm on my special island. And then it's right back to. All right. Well, my sister's on a date and I'm masturbating. Right. Also, did you hear when he was doing Don Kirshner's rock concert, which, of course, you're too young to remember, but that was a big deal. And of course, they made him take out the sit at home and masturbate and he just do you see what he turns to the he just turns to the right he goes sit at home and oh. yeah yeah <laughs> so he turns to them like can you believe this like 
censor my art. It reminds me of that Simpsons one with the Red Hot Chili Peppers where Krusty comes in and he goes, what is the line from the, do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, I guess it's from uh, Give It Away, right? It's like, yeah. what I got, I got to give it to your mama. And he's like, can you say what I got? I, I, well, I, I forget wanna, what the very line I want to like was. kiss and hug you or something. And they're like, no way, man. We don't change our lyrics for no one. And they're like, well, can you just change it to this? And they're like, oh, you know what? That's that's actually better. Now, boys, uh, the network has a problem with some of your lyrics. Would you mind changing them for the show? Forget you, clown. Hey, our lyrics are like our children, man. No way. Well, Okay. But here where you say, what I got, you got to get and put it in you. How about just what I'd like is I'd like to hug and kiss you. Wow, that's much better. Everyone can enjoy that. These words could cause a riot. If people had heard on Don Kirshner's rock show, rock concert, that someone said the word masturbate, it would have just been, uh, you know, the cities would be on fire. When you said Don Kirshner's rock show, it sounded like you were an old man in the 70s saying, what is this Don Kirshner's rock show? I'm trying to watch my stories and my kids are watching Don <laughs> Kirshner's rock and roll show. This this swing music, it's crazy. But yeah, that, that was all they had where you could see uh, show, songs like, I mean, they had SNL, but this was a little before SNL, Don Kirshner's rock concert, Midnight Special, and the, you know, of course, the, the Mike Douglas show. <laughs> That's all before SNL had you know, something where you could actually see bands in, in a pristine form. I'd never heard of Don Kirshner's rock concert. Why would did you? They, did they play like if, if so if Billy Joel was the guest, would he play a bunch of songs? Would he yeah, do like, they, the main they, thing? Yeah, they would have a guest and they'd play two or three songs. Yeah. But Don Kirshner, again, in our what I was telling you about Mike Douglas, again, with another guy with no personality whatsoever. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Don Kirshner's rock concert. <laughs> It was, you know, the host like Ed Sullivan and Mike Douglas and him. They had all these great rock and roll people on. And yet they were the dullest of all people. Also, here's the other thing that we need you, our listeners. It's I'm looking into the camera while I say it as if there's a, you know, we're doing this video. wise. No, you need to listen to this thing. There's a radio station out here. You, no, it's still here called in Jersey, New York, but it's Jersey station and it's called WFMU. And it's a big cult station where, you know, they have really good uh, DJs and hosts and it's been around for years and some people worship it. And some people are like, who cares? However, I have a friend, his name is Evan Cutler and he produces, he used to produce the live PD show on A&E and I've been, we went to college together and he was the one who told me you have to listen to this FMU and this guy, Tom Sharpling, and he puts all together these comedy bits. And so he was basically doing podcasting before there was podcasting and having, you know, fun live radio bits, which was amazing, you know, that they would just do with no editing or anything. And there's one that he sent me and I was like, this is going to be stupid. And it's about 45 minutes and it might have been the funniest thing I might have ever heard. And then I, of course, sent it to Elon. And what it is, is this guy, Danny Phipps, from Glass Houses, America's number one Billy Joel tribute band. Based on the readers on. of Turnstiles Fancy. <laughs> comes on Tom Sharpling's show to talk about, you know, his Glass Houses tribute band. And then John Benjamin from, well, we don't know it's John Benjamin, but we know John Benjamin from Bob's Burgers and Archer and Dr. Katz comes on. And get, his voice is, unrec is recognizable, of course. So he comes on and says he also is in a Billy Joel cover band but then it turns out all they do is play captain jack multiple times <laughs> and you find that out through the 45 minutes wait and the guy's like wait you 
only play Captain Jack? Yeah, well, no, but it's a big thing. And we play it like we're, we're going to get more. But right now we play that, you know, five to seven times. And and John Benjamin sings it. And it's it made me cackle out loud when he got to the the big chorus, Elon, right? When he, he was just singing, you know, your sister's gone out. She's on a day. And he just and he keeps on going. I mean, that's the thing about Benjamin. He just keeps on going. And then he goes, Captain Jack. <laughs> Sister's gone out, she's on a date And you just sit at home and masturbate Your phone's gonna ring soon, but you just can't wait So you stand on the corner with your new English clothes And you look so polished from your head down to your toes Ah, but still your finger's gonna pick your nose after all Mm-hmm. Captain Jack will get you high tonight We'll take you to your special island Captain Jack will get you by tonight Just a little push, you'll be smiling mm-hmm. Should I go on or? So yeah, we you gotta listen to this It is unbelievable and we will we're going to try and get John Benjamin on in our next uh, hopefully after the D's or something to talk about it because it's just too brilliant, right? Yeah, there's so many funny moments in this, and we're, we're not going to give away the the funny stuff. Like, but you just got to hear it. It's such a great interplay between these two guys and and the host of the radio show, and so much of it centers around Captain Jack, which is why we're bringing it up on this episode, right? But there are just so many little moments and funny lines throughout it. As a Billy Joel fan, just it's it's got so many great little nuggets that you will enjoy. Yeah, you're gonna worship it, and it's it's unbelievable. I mean, there's the stuff he's he he's the drummer from that's what it is. Danny Pipps is the drummer from the Billy Joel tribute band. He's not even the the lead guy. It turns out he doesn't sing. I yeah, think. you find out 16 minutes into the whole thing that he's just the drummer. <laughs> It's really terrific. We are highly recommending it. It's it's I think it's easy to find. I think it's on you. It took me a while to find it, but I think I found that on YouTube. It's from December 4th, 2001. So make sure that's the version you're seeing WFMU and Tom Sharpling. And then maybe we'll try and get Tom Sharpling on the show, too, because apparently he is a living legend in this community of uh, music and Jersey and New York. I know people that absolutely worship him the way people worship Billy Joel. And uh, I didn't really know anything about him until this. And it's absolutely brilliant. He's a brilliant host and a brilliant foible as a straight man, right? Oh, yeah, totally. He keeps it going. He this it, To keep a straight face during that whole, it's almost, you know, it's over 45 minutes and he just moves it along perfectly. It's amazing. I don't think there's any editing. I think they did it live on the radio. And that's what's even more amazing. None of them laugh. John Benjamin is a, a he's a goddamn genius when it comes to this kind of stuff. He's been good at this forever of really just improvising, which is why Dr. Katz was so successful. You know, there's no really script. He just is good at this. Let's just talk one last time before we uh, move on into how important this song is and how it shapes Billy Joel's career. I feel like uh, we, even though we said it, I feel it has to be reiterated of how important this particular song, Captain Jack, is. Obviously, the album Piano Man is big. But this song was the one, you know, that leads us to a day like today where we're, st- we're still talking about this and all of his other work. 
And I guess, you know, when you have an album like Cold Spring Harbor where everything is bleak and he's like, no one's going to like it, but there are those loyal fans. And remember, this is in Philadelphia, not Long Island. And people won tickets from a radio station because that's what you used to listen to to hear music back in the day. You didn't have a choice. That's why you had to keep calling in and asking to request the song because it's not out anywhere. You can't hear a bootleg of it anywhere. And the fans came in droves and they were just like, who the hell? They were all saying, who's Billy Joe? Billy <laughs> Joe who? They had no idea who he was. And it's just absolutely, it's a, it's a really great story to tell of the legacy of Billy Joel. Absolutely. Because after Cold Spring Harbor, you know, all the issues, which we've talked about, issues with the mastering, the album was a bomb. He had a bad record contract with Family Productions. He was hiding out in Los Angeles, playing piano in a bar under the name Billy Martin. Nothing was going right. And then because this live version of this unreleased song became kind of big in Philadelphia, Clive Davis from Columbia Records heard it. And he found Billy Joel and was able to get him out of that bad contract, sign him to Columbia, record the Piano Man album, which then was the way that people could actually go and buy this Captain Jack song, which they liked so much. And uh, it really yeah. helped that album take off. He had to track him down. You know, it's not like today where it would be easy to find some. Well, I can see on Instagram he's playing at the Felt Forum uh, today, you know, but he had to track him down. He's just playing in some random piano bars in L.A. And that's why I think the album was rather rushed. I mean, obviously it was recorded properly because he had Columbia behind him, but, you know, it was recorded in September and released in November. You know, I think I think they just they were like, look, we got to capitalize on this Captain Jack unbelievableness. You know, then then you're you're like, well, you see your piano man. And uh, quite frankly, for us, ain't no crime. And you're like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah, it just made his career. And it's strange how something like that can happen just because a radio station, just some random DJ takes a chance and like decides to play something unusual, which would never happen again today. Because number one, radio stations have very strict listings of what songs they can play. It's all programmed from, you know, let's say it's a iHeart station. They have 800 stations around the country. There are strict playlists that each station can go by. Each DJ doesn't really have a lot of opportunity to play whatever they want. And number two, people don't really get broken out by radio anymore. It's going to be streaming. It's going to be hopefully that like you have a good online following or someone hears you on SoundCloud or on Spotify. This wouldn't happen that a radio station in one local market could make someone big. If you hear Billy Joel talking about it, about how it all went down, he was he's talking exactly what you're saying is that there were DJs back in the 70s and uh, who could just help you, you know, and, and, and like a Scott Muni on WNEW he was talking about. And, you know, he said all of this where, he, you know, that that's how you would you would get lucky. It's a, kind of like in that movie, uh, you know, the favorite that Adam Schlesinger uh, wrote the song. Um, Tom Hanks, uh, that thing you do. That thing you do. Right. And remember, they bring it to the record, the the big DJ. He's like, hey, he's got 5,000 watts behind him. And then they show him playing the song and how it helps. I mean, I know that's just a movie, but it is based on reality. Once a DJ liked your song, it was like the hugest thing that could happen. And of course, coming into the studio and playing live was a smart move because a lot of bands or performers did not do that. They're like, oh, that's too little. I don't care. And being smart and being amenable and, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, what, what would you call it to, to the fans? Um, assess accessible right. to, to your fans and, your, and the people that want to listen made him uh, a good guy. And that, that's helpful, too, because if, if really if one of the DJs didn't like you, you could also be crushed. 
So it was all relying on this uh, one thing, and it all paid off for Billy in a bold move of performing stuff live for free tickets. You know, it's one of those things. I don't want to pray for free, but he yeah. was smart. As we know in the comedy world, it's all about, hey, you'll get on stage. We're not going to pay you, but you'll have a lot of exposure. And sometimes that does work out. So for Billy Joel, the exposure thing did work. And I think it's lucky for him that Captain Jack was the song that kind of broke him because it's a song that if you like this song, you'll like other Billy Joel things. It's not like it was some gimmicky song that was unlike other stuff he did. And then he just became known as the, I don't know, I'm trying to think what his most gimmicky song would be. But, you know, there's some people who get well, big like that. The most gimmicky song, song is absolutely We Didn't Start the Fire. I mean, that's the gimmick of all gimmicks. <laughs> yeah. So like, imagine if We Didn't Start the Fire got radio play because people really like to hear about the children of thalidomide. Th <laughs> <laughs> children of thalidomide. And they were, they're really big on that whole thing. Then, the, then when he put out his full album, they'd be like, where's more of the historical references? We thought you were the, his, the history guy. Right. But instead, yeah. it's Captain Jack. It's dreary. It's about suburban life. And when they heard the rest of the album, they probably were like, hey, all right, I, we like all this stuff, too. But it's this is what makes Billy Joel so great. You have this one and then you have Piano. It's the exact same thing in many ways. Exact same thing. It's sad. It's depressing. And there's verse after verse after verse. And it just doesn't goddamn stop. <laughs> you just want to kill yourself in the end. And then this, even though it's, it's still really good because his piano playing is amazing and he knows how to conduct the orchestra. Thank God he was able. I mean, that's what makes him a genius. He was able to branch out of these rather versy, depressing songs and really just make go this other direction, which made him a living legend. Yeah, he he, he did learn how to make short, nice singles that just made sense in three minutes instead yeah, of everything that, being a seven minute opus. That's right. And that makes you a goddamn genius. This is exactly how you start and then you figure it out, which he absolutely did, of course. Well, Dave, it's time for the trivia portion of our show. Do you have a good stumper for me? Uh, I have uh, an interesting one, I, I think. Let's see if I can word this correctly so we'll figure it out. All right, so Billy performed this song on the legendary Don Kirshner's rock concert. Don Kirshner was portrayed on Saturday Night Live multiple times by someone who appeared on a late-night talk show until 2015. Who is the person and what is the show? So someone who appeared on a late-night talk show until 2015 portray Don Kirshner on SNL. Well, I'm trying to I'm, I'm, I'm trying to word it in a way so it's not so easy, but yet he was on the sh on the late night talk show every day until 2015. Yes. So it, it wasn't just appearing. He was a staple. Oh, OK. It's easy. It's Paul Schaefer. And what's the show? Letterman. Yeah, that's right. Well, I was testing. <laughs> I, yes. Well, I, yeah, that's Paul I'm Schaefer gonna... from the Leno show. Yeah, so he used to be on Saturday Night Live before Letterman and lots of other stuff, and um, he used to portray Don Kirshner. He did it seven times, and a, a brilliant imitation of Don Kirshner before you knew who Paul Schaefer was, or quite frankly, Don Kirshner. Well, you knew from the rock concert, but you go, and now? Well, he was basically just doing the Artie Fufkin character from Spinal Tap, but still, it was really good, and people liked it a lot. I can totally see after you did your impression of Don Kirshner earlier, Paul Schaefer, in my mind, would be a perfect guy to do that because they have the same kind of I, I it could have been a Paul Schaefer impression that you were doing before. Yeah. Hey, man, that is that is some crazy wild stuff, man. Do you know what um, what famous disco era song Paul Schaefer wrote? Well, I know he wrote It's Raining Men. Yeah. Well, that's not a disco era song. That Why came isn't out in the it? 80s. No, it didn't. It came out in like 79 or something. No, it did not. My friend. I can't believe you're actually quizzing me on this. Look it up now. I'm looking it up right now. 
Oh, dang it. It's from 1982. Thank you. Uh, and also, I saw him perform it live a year ago, just before lockdown at Gilbert Gottfried's uh, 60th birthday or 65th, whatever he old age he is, and their 300th podcast. And, Paul, and I was sitting at the table with Paul Schaefer. If this was a video podcast, I'd show you the picture. And he got up and played It's Raining Men. It was awesome. And he goes, uh, I know my wife hates this song, but let's face it. That's what everybody wants to hear. Let's do it. <laughs> it was awesome. But I know that's not your trivia question. What uh, What is the actual one you have for me today? Yeah. Okay. So this is a good one. What Senate candidate used Captain Jack to announce their candidacy? Uh, well, I do know that that is uh, the answer is who is Hillary Clinton? That is correct. And how it went unbelievably wrong because some idiot intern played Captain Jack instead of New York State of Mind. <laughs> yeah, they had like the greatest hit CD. Instead of putting like track five on, they played track two. And, uh, you know, so then the, this whole crowd is there waiting for Hillary to come out. And, and the, it's the masturbate line. Masturbate, that's like, <laughs> woo, we love Clinton. That's hot that she played this song. How interesting. I'm going to vote for her. And then Rudy Giuliani was thinking of running against her. So he had a press conference saying that she was playing music that glorified drug use. And in the press conference, he actually like, read the lyrics of the song and was just reaming her about it. Captain Jack will get you high tonight and take you to your special island. Captain Jack will get you by tonight, just a little push, and you'll be smiling. The message that got out by mistake was, let's say yes to drugs. The First Lady was campaigning in Buffalo and didn't comment. But her spokesman, Howard Wilson, released a statement saying the campaign didn't choose the song. Wilson added, and I quote, apparently the mayor has now turned his relentless negative attacks on Billy Joel. Her spokesman said, the campaign didn't choose that song and wasn't aware that it was selected. Certainly, she wouldn't have chosen that song. She's never even heard it. So Hillary Clinton acting like she's not even a Billy Joel fan, which yeah, I can't even believe she won that race. after. It's that. completely unacceptable to I mean, there's another. This is the reason she is not president of the United States. Look who she has around her. Right. You got somebody who doesn't know how to play the proper track of a song. And, you know, that's somebody younger. So they're an idiot. And then number two, you're disavowing that the song is in a way we don't even know, but you're playing New York State of Mind as if you're a Billy Joel fan. And then you say, I've never heard of Captain Jack. You're a fucking idiot. It's just unbelievable. It's just another politician just being totally fake and phony. Yeah. Look how mad you got me after I after what you just told me. I didn't know about that. And that's horrible. But uh, hilariously, on the flip side of that, I had a really good trivia question for you. It's funny that you had brought this up. I'm just going to word it the way I had it. Okay. Okay. When the Clinton campaign messed up and played Captain Jack instead of New York State of Mind, what comedian and podcast host appeared in a photo with the candidate that complained about the lyrics of the song to use in a campaign? Oh, that's me. That's right. Who is Elon Altman? <laughs> uh, yeah. I was so glad that someone finally spoke out against drug use and masturbation that I, I sought out Rudy Giuliani and took a photo with him. There's an awesome pic. We really need to do a video. We should have done a video podcast on this one. So we could have uh, just showed, I don't know. I said I had a couple of pictures and then showed the picture with you, like a, a, a seven or nine-year-old Elon Altman with Rudy Giuliani. It's great. Well, we know when we release this episode, I'll put it in our Instagram story so people can see uh, podcast host, and Rudy Giuliani, who gets mentioned <laughs> in this episode. Brilliant. So one more thing about the Hillary Clinton controversy is Billy Joel did respond to this. He had a statement which said, there are a lot of important issues facing the voters in this Senate race. 
is a politician's interpretation of a song I wrote nearly 30 years ago an issue to the voters of New York State? I do not think so. That's pretty good. I thought for sure you were going to say what read the first part again, and I'll add in the last part of what he should have said. There are a lot of important issues facing the voters in this Senate race. Right. And masturbation is not one of them. That's how you end the sentence. Masturbation is a settled issue. We're all okay with it. As I stated 30 years ago in that song. I do not believe it will make you go blind. However, Although it did to my friend, Ray Charles. Right. Right. <laughs> right. If there's, this shouldn't be it. There should never be a how after, however, after that statement. <laughs> <laughs> so it's time for the weird Alan parody song of the day. And uh, so today we're doing a parody of Captain Jack, and I'm just going to get uh, right into it with my poor singing. Saturday morning, you're just waking up. You grab some coffee and fill your cup. You're so hungover, you think you might throw up for a while. Well, your wife made you eggs, but your stomach hurts. You need something solid or you'll get the squirts. She says you're a bigger drunk than Fred Mertz. And you smile. But Cap'n Crunch will make you feel okay. Those sweetened squares soak up the booze. Cap'n Crunch will give you strength today. Just a little spoon and you can't lose. Why did I? Um, I know you told me you were like, I don't know whether I'm going to say the name of the song. So I didn't know what the name of the song was. And uh, I was waiting. I'm like, wait, where is this possibly going? And Captain Crunch. But the fact that you were able to also include Fred Mertz makes me very happy. I thought you would appreciate that for for our younger listeners. That is, uh, you know, <laughs> Fred and Ethel from I Love Lucy. And he was a drunk. Uh, William Frawley. Is that his name? That's right. But I don't think we have any younger listeners, so I'm not exactly sure why you feel you needed to explain. <laughs> I meant I meant younger than 70. Oh, OK. Yes, William Frawley. He was brilliant. He was actually a brilliant comedic actor. I mean, on that show on Lucy. And the best part is that, first of all, the fact that Desi Arnaz was so brilliant in casting like an older couple that they were friends with, which was cool. And uh, the fact that he was like retired, he was able to get into all the problems that Lucy and Ethel got into, which was hilarious because he was like, you know, curmudgeon. It would be like me hanging around with Lucy and Ethel and just being like, oh, I guess I'll go along with it. Oh, we need you to dress up like a woman. Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> He's so funny on that show. He's You're right. Desi Arnaz is a genius because that yeah. show was so different. And this is the 50s, you know, to have like, number one, there's like a Cuban guy married to a white lady, which is already risque. Right. And then to not have just like another young couple, but to put old people on TV is so strange because nowadays you would never put old people on a TV show. No. And it, it was it, the guy. True. I mean, everybody kind of knows if you if you look it up, he, he is a, he was and is a genius. He invented the three camera shoot, which is used to this very day of a sitcom, uh, let alone all these little plots with Lucy always trying to get into show business. And then the older the, and the landlord tenant situation as well, because they were the landlords. Um, he really put all these really great elements into the show, which is why it was uh, a hit and let Lucy do her thing. You know, like, I mean, it's pretty cool like like the husband like hey she's she's the star let her do what she's got to do yeah she and she shines for sure i heard that yeah. she actually wasn't very good at comedy but she was so well rehearsed she could just nail what she had to nail yeah fascinating fascinating man like you said i mean really uh unbelievable and i heard one time william frawley drank a whole keg of beer right before a take 
I believe, or I want to believe it. <laughs> <laughs> and then he juggled three different kegs. Two of them were still full. He was so strong. Well, folks, that was Captain Jack. If you like our podcast, go to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star rating and a nice review. We release new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday, so make sure you hit subscribe so you never miss a single song. Follow us on social media at Billy Joel A to Z and give us some feedback. Are you excited to see my photo with the now disgraced mayor, Rudolph Giuliani? Will that ruin my street cred? And if you saw Billy Joel play this song live, would you cheer at the masturbate line like Dave does? Also, make sure you look up Billy Joel WFMU on YouTube and let us know what you think. We think it's hilarious. Until next time, I'm Alan Altman. And I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. Captain Jack will get you high tonight. Take you to your special room. Well, now Captain Jack will get you high tonight. And take you to your special room. Oh, Captain Jack can make you die tonight. Just a little Go on, or you can keep going if you want. Actually, no. I- I'm going to say no. <laughs> <laughs>